It's hard to believe we are already at the fourth Sunday of Advents, and if you just kind of think back on where we've come from to get to this point, if you remember back on the first Sunday of Advent, all the way back in November, we had some like apocalyptic readings sort of about the end of time. Remember I kind of talked about going up to the Motherhouse Chapel in Ann Arbor and my phone going off at 6 a.m. in the morning and, you know, the glory to God. And it's that question of if Christ comes today, what's your reaction going to be like? Is it going to be like, it's the end of time? Or it's going to be like mine with a mild heart attack and grasping for your phone and what are we going to do? You know, just that question is, are we ready for him to come? And then, of course, the last couple of Sundays, the church gave us for reflection St. John the Baptist, and we got John the Baptist in the wilderness, you know, the voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. And so he's calling for that conversion, calling for us to repent and believe in the gospel, to leave behind our sins, all of those things that separate us out from God, those things we know we've got to get rid of to be open to him. And it doesn't just end there, though, with conversion. It's not just getting rid of sin. The next week was when the people that came out to him, the tax collectors, the soldiers, they kept saying that phrase, well, what should we do? And what do we do with all this? And he basically said, be generous, give things away, share what you have. Tax collectors, don't take more than you're supposed to. Be a virtuous tax collector. Soldiers, don't be a big bully. Like, be a good soldier. And the same is the true for us. What you're doing in your day-to-day life, what should you do? Be virtuous. Live what God has called you to do in a virtuous way. You remember last week, too, it was Gaudete Sunday. We're told, like, in a commandment form, rejoice. But I've had a couple conversations this past week about, well, Father, you know, like, I just, I don't feel joyful. Like, how do I, how do, I do this? And remember, too, that when we get that commandment of rejoice in the Lord always, I shall say it again, rejoice, you know, it's not like, get out there and be happy, doggone it. All right, praise be Jesus Christ. Have a good one. You know, like, okay, that doesn't do us a lot of good, right? We know that it's so much deeper than that. Yes, we've got to be virtuous. We've got to live our vocations. We've got to be disciples of Christ out there. But I would say this is the Sunday, quite frankly, just to share with you personally, I think it's the hardest of the four Sundays of Advent to preach. Because especially last, the last two weeks, we got John the Baptist, you know, as the prophet in the wilderness, the voice. I can get up here and like yell and get excited. Ted told me last week that he thought I was either going to levitate or start on fire, which I really appreciate. I was very excited, you know, it was a great Sunday to preach. I love preaching about Gaudete Sunday. But this week, it's almost like a prequel with John the Baptist. He's not the voice out in the wilderness yet. In fact, he doesn't say anything at all, but he's there. He's the infant in the womb who at the presence of Jesus leaps, right? And Elizabeth cries out with joy, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. We've said that before, haven't we? In fact, we say it all the time countless times, every single day. And in fact, the church this Sunday gives us a lot of little hints, little tools to help us to actually do what we've been encouraged to do these last couple of weeks of getting ready for Christ's coming, of repenting, of living out our call to discipleship. 
this week, it's like, okay, here's something to help you do this all the time. Did you notice, for those of us who pray the Angelus, that the opening prayer today at Mass is the concluding prayer of the Angelus. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts. Now, the Angelus is a beautiful prayer. We pray it traditionally in the church three times a day, 6 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m., the beginning, the middle, and the end of every day. And there are three little tropes, little comments that we say, and then we pray Hail Mary. So the first one is basically remembering the Annunciation. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. We pray Hail Mary. The next one was actually the gospel antiphon today. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. What Mary said in response to the angel, right? And then we pray another Hail Mary. And then the last one is from the gospel of John. We'll hear it on Christmas Day. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remembering that fact that Jesus Christ became one of us, that he dwelt, that he dwells, that he will come again among us, that Jesus is in our midst. And notice, each time we say those things, we say another Hail Mary. And the church recommends we do this three times a day. And then at the end, we say what I said at the beginning of Mass, pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts. Okay. Why do I bring this up so much? Why do I kind of go into this in detail? Because the fact of the matter is, like, I can get up here and say, okay, repent, get out there and be good, go. But I can speak from personal experience that I can't just sort of, like, motivate myself to keep going, right? Life is insane. Like, this week started out really good. I'm thinking, okay, things are in great shape. We're doing well. Then we come to find out on Wednesday, by the way, this is a fun aside, on your way out today, go out through the front doors, go left. On the cornerstone out of the church, you will see the date, December 19th, 2009. Twelve years ago today, this church was dedicated. It's beautiful. And you would expect that when you install gas pipes, they're going to last longer than 12 years. But guess what? <laughs> That's not the case. So we're going to have to probably replace all the gas pipes on the school. Which, guess what, as a pastor, I'm like... Hooray, you know? Like, we're only $2 million left in debt. What does that matter? You know, it's okay. So, yes, sometimes stuff happens, right? And you think everything's just cruising right along towards Christmas. Well, we got a little bump in the road. But that shouldn't, like, throw off my peace. And thanks be to God, it hasn't. Everybody's so good. We're in this together. It's going to be fine. But as we go through our day-to-day -day lives, right, it's like our vocations, they're not easy. It's not always easy to stay focused on the right thing, to stay focused on the fact that Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh who dwells among us. And so, the church says, stop and pray this several times a day. Because the fact of the matter is, we need to be reminded of the age in which we live. And I think this fourth week of Advent is a really good sort of like small model of what our lives are like totally. I mean, Advent is an interesting season. It's one that they say of subdued joy, right? You notice the fact they've been dressed just like it's Lent. So, well, yeah, all the way through. I mean, I get to wear pink one Sunday in Lent too. So, you know, it's, it's a penitential season, and yet, you know, Christmas is right on the horizon. We're coming, right? It's almost there, but it's like that phrase, it's the already, but not yet, we continue on in this preparation for the coming of Christ. We've got to be joyful in knowing that he has entered into this with us. 
And the way to do that is to continually stop and stay close to him. I'll tell you, I love our Fatima bells, you know, that ring on the hour with that Ave Maria. Because there are days, like I'm in my office, and it's not always easy. There are difficult calls. There are things going on. And all of a sudden, it's like it's 10 o'clock, and I get to hear Ave, Ave, Ave. And I'm like, oh, yeah, things are good. Like our Blessed Mother loves us. And look at her in the gospel today. She just found out she's going to be the mother of God. And what does she do? She sets out in haste to the hill country to go greet her cousin Elizabeth. This is a several days journey. She's literally carrying the Son of God with her. But notice, we don't hear about anybody else along the way stopping and recognizing that. It's when she gets to Elizabeth that suddenly the sound of her greeting is causing Elizabeth to cry out in joy. It's causing John the Baptist to leap. My friends, we got a tabernacle right there. Mary is the perfect tabernacle, the one who holds Christ within her as the Blessed Mother. But it's so easy in our day-to-day lives to just kind of keep going, right? i got to put my head down and get this stuff done without recognizing that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what we've got to do is to keep stopping throughout each and every day. To recognize that fact that he has come to us. And notice, too, the conclusion of the first reading today from the prophet Micah. He shall be peace. He. Not he's going to bring us peace. He's going to bring us to a peaceful place. It's communion with Christ that is our peace. Because he himself is that peace. He came to do the will of the Father, did it throughout his life, from the moment of his conception, when he died on the cross, and his rising from the dead, and his ascension into heaven, and still being with us, the glory for us is, is that he remains with us even to this day. And all of us, like we heard last week, we have our vocations, we're called to go out there and be virtuous in the world, and to bring that real joy into the world. But the good news is, You don't have to manufacture it from within. It's not an empty sort of thing. It's not just putting a cover or a veneer that's kind of cheerful that we're going to take down on December 26th. No. This is something that every single moment of our life we are immersed in. And I think why it's so hard to preach about in some ways to really get down to it is because it is so fundamental. It's like the one fish that said to the other fish, water's really nice today. And the other fish says, What's water, you know? Like, we have that sometimes where we're immersed in the fact that God has become one of us, that he made himself present, that he will come again. And what we need so desperately is to stop every single day, countless times a day, at least those three, the beginning and the middle and the end, to keep praying our rosary, to keep saying those words, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, that we may be like her, that others may say about us, blessed are you who believed. Because the good news for us is we don't have to just manufacture it on our own. He continues to be present, to offer it to us that then he might be our peace. That then we may see the inbreaking of his grace in everything that we do because he does not leave us to our own devices. Our Lord is present And as we ask him every day at the conclusion of the Angelus, pour forth your grace into our hearts. The important thing in this fourth week of Advent is we ask for the grace to have hearts that are open, 
He's not a stingy giver. He's not like Ebenezer Scrooge to Bob Cratchit. Sure, you can have one lump of coal. That is enough for you. No. What he does is he pours forth his grace. He pours forth his blood in the Eucharist. He pours out his whole life, his whole self, to give himself to us. The important thing is that we have hearts that are open, that are ready to receive him, that then can live out that authentic joy in every moment of our life, not manufacturing it on our own, but knowing the fact that he really and truly is Emmanuel, God with us. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.